I, uh, I don't know what kind of shoppers I have in this room, but more than likely many of you are bargain shoppers. I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. Let me illustrate. Many of you shop certain sections of stores. You know what I'm talking about. It's the sections where you're looking for a deal. So in some stores, it's the bargain section. In some stores, it's the clearance section. In some stores, still others, priced reduced. And still in other stores, you might find an as-is section. As-is. We all know what as-is means. As-is means there's no warranty. So you might buy a car that has a box checked as-is. You might buy a house with no warranty. As-is. So if you're buying clothing, you might find as-is. As-is means there's a stain, there's some damage, there's a flaw, something's not right, something's not normal, it's damaged goods. And in many cases, you can't even find the as-is problem. You can't find a flaw. You can't find a blemish. You look and you look at a piece of clothing and you're like, eh, it looks okay to me. You look and look at a vehicle for some kind of flaw and there is nothing that you can see. You know it's there. Because it's labeled as is, but you just can't see it. And here's the deal. You know when you buy something in an as is section, you know what you're getting. You know that you're getting damaged goods. You know you're getting something less than perfect. You know you're getting something that is less than new. You know you're getting something with some kind of flaw. And after all, that's why the price has been reduced. So here's something else you already know. You know when you buy something as is, you can't bring it back. It's yours. You know that up front. There's no return policy. They're not taking it back. You can fuss and gripe and say all you want, and they'll say, you knew when you bought it, it was as is. As is. You know, it's kind of interesting. We all sit here today as is. Me and you, everybody here, we have a huge tag that reads, as is. Our tag says that we are damaged goods. People don't even have to look at our tag, they know. People don't even have to look at our tag, they see, they observe. Our tag tells folks we have a flaw, or several flaws. We have flaws and we know it. We have flaws, and we hope no one else will see it. Here's what we read in the Bible. Here's how the Bible describes it. There's no difference. We've all sinned. There's no difference. There's no distinction. We all wear an as-is tag. We've all sinned. As-is. Interesting thing, again, about as-is, you don't, you don't always see the flaws. I mean, you come here today, I don't see your flaws. We cover up our flaws. We sit here today. We may not see each other's flaws. And sometimes those flaws are they're invisible. They're invisible. Most of the time we've learned to hide our flaws. Maybe they're physical flaws. Maybe complexion flaws. Maybe speech flaws. Maybe emotional flaws. Maybe spiritual flaws. Maybe relationship flaws. We all have them and we've learned to hide them and cover them up. Sometimes they're visible. Sometimes they're not visible. But we all still wear the same as is tag. I mean, think about it. When two people get married, 
they come as is. And hopefully by the time of the wedding, that as is tag has reared its ugly head and they've seen each other so that they know, but not always the case. Sometimes the as is doesn't come out until after the marriage. Sometimes it's years down the road and people will say, I never knew that they had whatever the flaw is. Sometimes those flaws stay hidden. Why? Because we like to hide them. We like to cover them up. We like to rationalize. In fact, we're pretty good at hiding our as-is tags. We're real good at hiding our as-is tags. We perfect our imperfections. We polish our flaws. We make excuses for our shortcomings. We know how to hide our shortcomings, and we know how to keep them hidden. And we show up on Sundays, and how are you doing? I'm fine. And everybody thinks everybody's good. And yet we're all as is. And so we pretend to be healthier and smarter and kinder and better and nicer and faster and abler. But sooner or later, that as is tag is going to show. The flaws never go away. The damaged goods will be seen. The imperfections will come out. The sins, as the Bible says, are still there. We still lie, we still cheat, we still gossip, we're all still prejudiced in some way. And I think deep down, I'm confident that deep down we would all like to change our as-is flaw, whatever it is. Change our as-is tags, make them go away, make, make some changes, not be identified by our as-is tags. Why? Because we want people to like us, and we want people to accept us, and we want people to appreciate us and recognize us, and we'll do just about anything to cover up that as-is tag of ours. But we just can't seem to change. We just keep doing the same stuff. Or as Paul says... The trouble's not with God's commands. The trouble's with me, for I'm all too human, a slave to sin. I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what's right, but I can't. Paul says, as much as we'd like to change, we struggle with changing. And we find ourselves back at square one. And square one is, we all are damaged goods. We're all as is. So, Richie, why, why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about being as is? Here's why. Because throughout my whole life and throughout all of my years of ministry, I've come across lots and lots and lots of folks who will say, I can't become a Christ follower. I can't come to church because... And they start talking about their as-is tag. I can't come until I remove my as-is tag. I can't come until I clean up my act. I can't come until I make some kind of change. I'd like to come, but I can't until I make some kind of change. Let me, let me dig a little bit deeper. There are folks in the world, people you've talked to, people you know, people who are your neighbors, and we want them to come to church, and we want them to become a Christ follower, and all they want to do is talk about their as-is tag. But they're not alone. We do the same things. We do the same things. We, we find ourselves saying the same things. I mean, when you go to bed at night, and when you say your prayers, it's like, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm just not good enough. I didn't do enough. I didn't pray enough. I didn't read enough. I'm as is, Lord. I'm damning. So we start making excuses for our sins and our shortcomings, just like the people in the world. I can't come to church until I get my life right. I can't come to church because of that bad habit. I can't come to church until I make some changes. So I don't have the right clothes. I don't have the right 
behavior. I don't have the right attitude. I don't have the right habits. I don't have the right. And we make excuses for our as-is tag. So, here's the purpose of this series. We're going to spend several weeks on this. here's, Here's the lie. Here's the goods that we've been sold. For some reason, we seem to think that God won't accept us as is. Think about it. That's why we try harder and we read our Bibles more. And that's why we, you know, I just want to do more, do more, do more. And we get on our deathbed and you hear people on their deathbed. And maybe your parents have said and friends have said, I just wished I had done more because I'm as is. We think God doesn't accept damaged goods. And there's nothing further from the truth. And so we do our best and we spend our lives making ourselves presentable to God. So here's the good news. There's a fundamental truth that runs throughout the Bible. God accepts folks as is. What other choice does He have? God accepts folks as is. You don't change your life to become a Christian. You become a Christian so that Christ can change your life. So listen to some good news today. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this, while we were still sinners. The Bible doesn't say this. I added the next two lines. When we were damaged goods, knowing we were as is, in the midst of our sins, in the midst of our flaws, in the midst of our as is, Jesus came anyway. So that's the good news. So I want to illustrate today, I want to scratch the surface just a little bit to illustrate what God does, and we're going to be in John chapter 2. Here's what we find in John 2. It's the first miracle that Jesus did. How do I know that? Because John said that this is the first miracle that Jesus did. The first miracle Jesus did. I mean, if you were on the first miracle planning committee... Wouldn't you come up with something different? Maybe raise someone from the dead as the first one. Raise the whole cemetery as the first one. Walk on water as the first one. You'd want the first miracle to be impressive. You'd want the first miracle to make an impact. You'd want the first uh, miracle to get the attention of the people. You would want it to be so impressive that you're like, whoa. That's exactly what it is. Want to know where Jesus was when He did His first miracle? On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus and His disciples had been invited to the wedding. His first miracle. Jesus is at a wedding. Let me tell you about weddings in that day. The weddings in that day were the social event, not of a day, of the day. They were the social event of a lifetime. It was a pretty big deal for the host. It was a big deal for them to have wine, and it was a social disaster to run out of wine. It was embarrassing. And Scripture says Jesus and His disciples had been invited to the wedding. Isn't that awesome? Whoever was making out the guest list, whoever was sending out the invitations said, we should invite Jesus. I guess because they liked Jesus. I guess because they knew Jesus was someone that liked to be at weddings. They knew Jesus was someone who wanted to be there, but someone else was there. Jesus' mother was also there. 
Scripture doesn't tell us why. Maybe she was a friend of the wedding party. Maybe the wedding party invited her and said, Hey, can you serve in the kitchen like some of y'all have been asked to do? Can you help out in some way? We're not sure why she's there, but here's the problem. They ran out of wine. Jesus' mother said to, to Jesus, They have no more wine. Mary noticed what was going on. She noticed the wine was gone. She noticed it was going to be a disaster. And Mary didn't want this wedding party to, to cave. She didn't want this couple, to, anybody to be embarrassed in any way. So she did what she thought was best. She went and found Jesus. Seemed like the right thing to do. Seemed like a logical thing to do. I mean, if you have a problem, that's what you should do. You should go find Jesus, and that's what she did. And she told Jesus they have no more wine. And then she went to the servants and said, do whatever he tells you. Not sure why Jesus went, why Mary went to Jesus. Maybe she just thought, my son can fix this. Maybe she thought, go home and get some wine. Maybe she thought, go buy some wine. Maybe she had witnessed something up to this point that she knew who Jesus was enough to say, just, just you know, turn water to wine, do something. Not sure why, but she asked Jesus to do something, and she told the servants, do whatever he tells you. And they did. They did what Jesus told them to do. And you can read in John chapter 2, Jesus kept the party going, and Jesus turned water to wine. Now, don't make this about Jesus turning water to wine. The greatest change on that day was not water to wine. I mean, this was the first sign, this was the first miracle, and signs point us to something, and the sign is supposed to point us in a direction. The sign points us to the power of Jesus. The sign points us to what Jesus can do. The sign points us to what Jesus wants to do. Jesus changed water to wine 2,000 years ago, and we've been trying to get Him to change it back because it messes with our theology. <laughs> the emphasis of John 2 is not the wine. Listen, folks, if Jesus can change water to wine, imagine what He can do with me and you. If Jesus can change water to wine, imagine what He can do with this church. If Jesus can change water to wine, imagine what He can do with your marriage, your children, your bitterness, your anger, your faults, your sins, your guilt, your lack of faith, your, my, as is, tag. If Jesus can take something of inferior quality like water and change it to superior quality like wine, imagine what He can do in our lives. The purpose of this miracle, the purpose of this sign is to illustrate, to show us that Jesus can take our sin, our imperfections, our flaws, our failures, our as-is tags, our as-is lifestyle, and He can change them and make them new. If Jesus can change water to wine, He can give me a new heart. He can give me a new life. He can make us new. That's why we read in Scripture, we were therefore buried with Jesus through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we can have a new life. You know, following Jesus is about trading in your as-is tag, crucifying your old self, and having a new life in Jesus. Because Jesus can do that. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. So here's what you need to do today. It's real simple. I mean, theology is not that complicated. It's real simple. Just listen to the words of the mother of Jesus. Do whatever he tells you. It's that simple. Will you do that today? Will you do whatever Jesus tells you?
Will you? Jesus wants to change your life. Will you do whatever Jesus tells you? It's, it's, it's called faith. Faith is just trusting in God to do what God can do as opposed to what we can do. And the Bible says that if you'll repent of your sins and if you'll confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and if you'll go into this liquid grave like Ava did on Thursday night, you'll come up like the Scriptures we just read and you'll be new. You washed away. A new creation. So if you want your life to change, just do whatever He tells you. If you want a clean start, just do whatever He tells you. If you want forgiveness of sins, do whatever He tells you. If you want to get rid of your guilt, do whatever He tells you. If you want to change that as-is tag, do whatever He tells you. Again, if Jesus can change water to wine, He can change our lives. And He can change our as-is tags and our damaged goods and our flaws and our imperfections and our sins. So here's the good news. Here's, there's two things I want you to hear today. The first one is, God accepts people as is. We're going to notice that in the weeks to come. God accepts you as is. The second thing is, God doesn't just accept you as is. God uses people who are as is, and He wants to change them into as His. So like a piece of as-is clothing, you might feel like you're not good enough. You might feel like your value has been reduced because of your as-is, your flaws, your sins, your imperfections. You might feel like your price has been reduced. But God wants to turn you into as-his. God wants to turn you because we can't change ourselves so over the next few weeks we're going to look at bible characters we're going to see them in the midst of their flaws their damaged goods their as is tag and we're going to see that god accepts people as is and he wants to turn them into as his let's pray